Good morning. You guys doing good this morning? Wasn't that good that our kids are up here giving their all for the Lord? That's good. I love to see that. Um, how's everybody this morning? Doing okay? Two more weeks till Christmas. You guys ready? Anybody finished their Christmas shopping already? Any of those really good overachievers in the room? No? It's definitely not me. Mine is like the day before, but uh, no, it's good. It's good getting ready for Christmas. Um, we got a good, I got a good sermon for you this morning, actually. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to be sharing this. How many of you guys uh, enjoyed last week's sermon where we talked about control, giving up control? Was that okay? Was that a good one last week? How many of you guys, raise your hand if you left the church because of it. Oh, you're not here. No, sometimes when we talk about tithing, people get offended and they get bummed, right? I mean, you got to talk about it. It's in scripture. It's something that God calls us to, to give our all. The whole issue really behind tithing is control though. Yeah. What we talked about last week is does God have 100% of who you are and what you own and everything in your life? Because if he does, then he can bless every single area of your life. Whatever we hold back, he's kind of going, well, I can't do too much with that because you're, you're holding on to that. So we talked about control. And all of this is um, in regards to building a culture of generosity. I think that we as Christians, um, what James is going to talk about today, is that we're expected to be a generous type of people, aren't we? As Christians, we're not supposed to look the same as the rest of the world and and focus on material things and focus on all that we can get to make our lives comfortable and easy, but we're supposed to focus on other people. I I read a quote um, yesterday that someone posted on, on Twitter from Martin Luther King Jr. that said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And that in this season where it's, it's easy for us to kind of say, oh, I'm in, I'm in the season of giving and everything's good. And we focus on other people for a little while, but then we tend to, to fluctuate and go right back into what am I getting? What am I receiving? What am I acquiring? Is that we need to put that focus really on other people. Because as we're going to talk about today, um, the, the heart of God is that when you bless his kids, you're blessing him. You're worshiping him. And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but it's the same in my life. Is if someone blesses my kids, it's really building into the relationship with me. It's it's blessing me. But I got a um, video testimony that I want to sh- show real quick. It's uh, actually of a story um, in regards to Charlie Mixon, our uh, project overseer for the building project, and uh, he had a little, uh, I guess, a, a little talk and a little meeting with someone this past week that was pretty convicting, and um, I hope you'll see why. If you guys got the video ready to go, we're going to go ahead and show that video real quick, and we'll see what we're talking about. Mm. Hello, I'm Charlie Mixon. I'd like to share with everyone something that happened to me Tuesday morning. Uh, As I was going into McDonald's uh, about 5.36 o'clock Tuesday morning, uh, as I was walking in, I looked to my right, and at the table that we normally have our Bible study was a, a homeless lady. And she was looking right at me with the biggest smile, a smile that looked bigger than her face. And I just kind of strangely looked at her and just nodded and continued on and, and got my order. As I was standing in line, I, I, I don't know why, but something just moved me to say, well, oh, that's a homeless person. She's looking for a handout or she's looking for money. Uh, something. And I really didn't like that feeling, but yet I went and got my food. And as I was walking to my table, I made a point not to make eye contact in that direction. And that uh, is not me. So when I sat down to eat and bless the food, I really thought, what a hypocrite you are. But yet I would not look in that direction. So I ate my breakfast and I, I think... We had a little intervention here because uh, the only place to dispose of your trash was right by that table. So here I go, and I I go up, and I start to dispose of my trash. And the lady, in such a beautiful, angelic voice, says, I have something for you. And as I turned around, that same big, broad smile was right there, and, and she handed me this note. And I just took the note, and... I looked at her, and I'm really feeling bad already about what I had thought earlier. And she said, you know, I want to thank you for sitting with me at Ben Parker for the Thanksgiving Day dinner. And oh my goodness, here I'm trying to do something to make amends or make me better. And I said, well, have you had something to eat? And she says, oh yes, I'm good. You have a blessed day. 
And then she walked out. I felt awful. I, I just felt like, boy, your Christian walk is not as strong as you think it is. So I took this note and I sat in the truck with my two dogs and I turned on the light and I read it. And this is what it says. And of course, she, she wrote in on a napkin. Dear Hope Chapel, December 6, 2011. Thank you very much for your Thanksgiving dinner at Ben Parker. I gave copies of your invite and lots of people went who would have been alone that day, including me. Also, it was very nice when people from your group visited with the people who came. Thank you again for your kindness. Love, Cynthia. Wow. You know, I'm a rough and tumble tough guy, and I questioned my walk that day. And uh, I hope everyone will treat everyone you know, like, you want to be treated. You know, I mean, here, here this lady gave her heart and soul in this little note. And I should have been doing the same thing. Not looking down or thinking somebody was after something. So, let this be a lesson to you as well. Uh, if you want to have a strong Christian walk, don't let the devil enter into your thoughts. See you later. Is that good? How many of you guys were convicted a little bit like that? You can relate to Charlie up there, yeah? Um, I think it's not, not a video for us to be going, oh, Charlie, you blew it, and us judging him because it hits too close to home. There's too many times that we miss those opportunities and let them go by. And what we're after here, what James is going to be talking about, is building a culture as Christians. Actually, James isn't talking about building. Remember, James is writing to Christians. He's warning Christians. He's reminding us Christians what it is to live as followers of Jesus Christ. That we take His name upon us, it better show in our lives and our attitudes, our lifestyle and in our actions and everything about us. See, we're not playing church here, right? Um, there was a point in my life where I was kind of playing church all the way up until, I mean, this is just early, I was raised as a pastor's kid, right? So you go to church because you have to. Mom and dad are, are there and they're working and you just go because you got to do it. And you know all the stuff and you go and you agree with it, but not really like really in it. Around like, I think it was maybe 14 years old or something, God kind of revealed himself to me in a real way. I went to this youth camp and I just really met God and it just clicked in my head. Oh, this isn't just like play. We don't just do this because it's a nice thing to do because other people want us to do it or it looks good on a resume. I attended church all these years or, you know, or something like that. But we're after this life where, where God is actually real in our lives. Like stuff is happening every day. He speaks to us. He moves in our lives. He, he leads us from, from one victory to the next. And we know He's real. We feel Him. He, he interacts with us. This hope that we have of heaven isn't just something we read about in a book, but we know and we can bank our whole lives on it. And I hope that, that when you come to church, that you're here to really learn and absorb and to take it seriously. Because this is the message of James. He's going, guys, it, it's not just a religion here. This is the real deal. And I want to remind you how good life can be. How good God can be in your life. The, the life that we ought to live, that we ought to remember to live, because the other people out there in the world need to see what it's all about. And it starts with us being generous and, and just having this generous spirit and the stuff that builds into that. I think what, what James is after and what I'm going to be after a little bit today in this, this sermon, i got other verses, is when we went through the book of Acts and you look at the, the early church, that Jesus had died and resurrected. He'd given instructions to his followers. And then he ascended to heaven and he goes, carry on this message, this hope, this lifestyle that I'm calling you to. Because if you do it, it's going to bless the world around you. It's going to bless you, but you're going to bless all these other people. And in that early church in Jerusalem, remember it describes them like in early chapters of Acts and how they were just giving to anyone that had need, that they were loving one another, that there was just prayer breaking out, not just in the temple courts, but they're having many churches in their homes and they were gathering together, celebrating communion and everything was just like outpouring of generosity and love, right? And, and then persecution came and everybody scattered. And this is actually James who stayed behind me behind in Jerusalem. He's heading up the Jerusalem church and he's, he's, he's writing to all of these people that are out there. Hey, remember as you guys left here, remember to take that same spirit that was at work in that early church, that we were the very first ones to start up what it was to be Christians. Remember to take that with you as you go out all around the world. 
and all just that that spirit and the gifts of the spirit because i think it starts the spirit of generosity starts with the holy spirit right empowering us to do so because we can't just get there on our own the gifts of the holy spirit what does it say in galatians 5 love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control I think that's all of them, right? But it's this, this overwhelming spirit of love for one another. And, and as we look at James, we're going to start off in James chapter 5 today. And we're going to see that James, James starts with a warning. He's not necessarily condemning Christians that are acting like this, but he's basically giving a warning because there are people out there that fall into this category of wanting to base their life's value on all that they acquire and all that they hoard and how happy and self-sufficient and selfish that they are. And James is reminding us to not be selfish, but to be Godish. Remember we talked about that last week? My term I came up with, Godish. Today is a sermon in, entitled Towards a Culture of Generosity, but really it's a sermon about Godishness. Okay, so let's bear with me in James chapter 5 as we talk about this. James starts off and he goes, Look here, you rich people. And he's really just shouting, getting their attention. It's a warning. He says, Look here, you rich people. And this isn't just, this isn't saying you're evil if you have money. This is saying, People that have money because they're only focused on money and all they want to do is get more money and manage the money and everything else kind of falls off the radar. He says, look here, you, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. He's talking in, on the day of judgment, all this wealth and all this focus on wealth that you built up, it's going to come to nothing. It's going to just be destroyed. It's not even worth anything because you're so focused on it and that's not what matters on judgment day. Then he says in verse 4, For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated out of their pay. The wages you held back cry against you. The cries of those, those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. In other words, your focus on riches has gotten you to the point where you're abusing other people to get more riches. And it's a focus on serving myself at the expense of relationships in my life. Some of us, we can relate. We look back on our life and we see times when we've been selfish and we see how we've neglected spouses, kids, co-workers, maybe. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, kind of step on him to get up the ladder to be where I need to be. And, and James is going, hey, be careful of this. Be careful of falling into this lifestyle. Verse 5 says, you spent your years, and this is the, the point of what he's getting at, you've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You've fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. In other words, you're going after people who can't even put up a fight and you're just overwhelming them. And the, the picture that James is saying, it's a scary picture. It's a warning for us. Don't become someone that's so focused on, and you could say riches, but really it applies to self. Because I think it's this verse, you spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. That we can become people that are so focused on ourselves, like last week we talked about giving up control, that we step on people, we step on God, we throw everything else by the wayside to get to a point where life is all about us. And James is saying, don't be like that. And last week we said, the first step is giving up control. Okay, it's not about me, God. I give it all to you. And the second step is now being proactive and going out there and spreading generosity versus that hoarding spirit that, that could be selfish. And so we're going to talk about generosity today. This greed and hoarding can destroy our life. You know, there's, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those, um, those shows or read articles about people that have won the lottery, you know, multi-million dollar state lotteries. And, and um, we always dream about it, right? We're always hoping, oh, if God, if I could just win that, I'd be set. You know, if everything, I'd be a better tither because I would have all this money to tithe. And I would do this for the world and all my money would go to charity. And, you know, it sounds good until the money actually drops into your lap, right? And you're like, whoa, look at this. And they do these, these shows and they do these surveys. I'm not here. Uh, they, do these, they, they, they do these surveys a year later, and I saw this show, and they said, um, they said, uh, where are you guys' lives at a year later after you won this money, and how much did it improve your life, and where did it go? And over 90% of those people interviewed said the money did not bring them happiness. The money actually corrupted them and destroyed their life. Even the kind-hearted people that dropped big chunks of it towards charities 
the bother and the trouble and all of that and how there was different expectations of their lifestyle and all this stuff and friends who they didn't know if they were real friends and all this stuff. They actually said, you know what, in in hindsight, I don't know if my life's better. I kind of wish this didn't happen to me. It it ruined relationships. It did all this stuff. And you're going, oh, come on. No way. You know, that's money. That's a good thing. But what it is is when you you get something like that, it, it tends to make you focus on yourself, and that's not where the true happiness in life. Remember, we've talked about this before, and I just love to always live by this, is the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other people, right? You can't take any of that stuff. Your value is not going to be remembered and based on how much you acquired, but on how much you gave, right? Think about that at your funeral. What are people going to talk about? Really? I mean, have you ever been to a funeral where someone gets up for the eulogy and they go, well, I just... Thank God for my dad because he had such a nice watch and his car was so cool with all those, you know, the rims and the this and that. And uh, I just we're just so thankful because, you know, he had this big house and he did all that. No one ever brags about a person on what they acquired. Right. All you ever hear at funerals and people remembering as you remember loved ones is the the generosity that they had towards you. Right. Nod your head. Yes, you agree. Like, I can remember when Grandpa gave me that watch and whatever. Oh, and, and when Auntie used to tell me all the stories about how to raise my kids and how to do this. And it's the things that people gave away that are most important in life. And it's not on what we acquire to live this lap, lap of luxury in our lives. And that James here is reminding us, watch out for this. Winston Churchill said this quote, You make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. Right? You make a living. Yeah, you need money to make the living and you get that and that's what you, you build your life upon, right? And you, you get that stuff to manage your life, your, to make a living. But to make a life, a life that's fulfilled, it's based on what you give away. Um, I love that quote. But there's, there's a verse in Proverbs I want to take you to. It talks about a life of generosity, which is a life that God will enlarge. In the message version, I like the way that it puts it in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It makes it real simple. And you might have heard this verse before. In verse 24 of Proverbs 11, it says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. It's just talking about enlarging our world and as i and i look at this scripture and i look at many others in in the word i understand that building this life of generosity where you're constantly giving of yourself and not just money but time and advice and just being there for people um it it you can expect blessings that's one of the things i know about about giving is generous people can expect to be blessed it's a rule. That's a biblical rule is generous people can expect to be blessed. And you say, well, well that kind of is selfish. You think that if you, you give, you're going to get something. Well, that's not. That's just a rule. That's a fact in God's kingdom is if you're a generous person, God is going to bless you in return. It says right there, if you're uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are themselves Helped. And I've, I've found that rule to be true in my life is recently there was a time when I was needing something. What was it? I was talking to my wife. Maybe it was a surfboard or something like that. My boards are falling apart or whatever. You know, it's always comes to that. But um, I told my wife, oh, I need a new board. And and um, she's like, well, you know, we got to save money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my instant thought, which I was proud of later, but it was just my instant thought was, mm, what can I give away? And then I started thinking, because this is the rule that I've lived my life, that I've learned in my life, that every time I give, God gives back to me. And so if I'm in need of something, it's going to start with me giving to someone else so that I can receive. Does that make sense? Because it doesn't make sense in the real world. The real world says, save, buy, hoard, whatever, you get it yourself. But in God's world, in God's kingdom, the world that he wants to enlarge, he's saying, in order for you to receive a blessing... Start by being a blessing. And I was, later on, afterwards, that's where I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's pretty spiritual of you, Carl. That's a good way to think. And I, but I was so happy that that was ingrained in my head that hey, if you want to get something, oh, I need a new board. Then instantly the first thought that came, I better give something away. Because I know that in God's kingdom, generous people can expect blessings. And that the, our, he will enlarge our world. And what does it look like to live a life of generosity to God and others? What does it look like to say, I'm living a life worthy of God enlarging my life and enlarging my world? Well, I think it starts with, like I said, I look at the early church and I look at the, the 
the church that they were, the community that they were, they were constantly saying, anything that's mine really is yours. And, and if you need something, I'm here to help you out because I know that God's going to provide for me. And it was, there was this, this constant life of giving away others. And I think it can start with this because I'm going to give you some practical stuff right now. What does it look like to be a generous person? Well, what is the material stuff that you have that maybe other people need? Look for needs. It starts by opening our eyes to the needs that are around us. And taking inventory of what you have in your house and what you need and what you want and what you just have. Are you hoarding stuff? I look around. I take inventory every few months and I just look and I go, why did I get that? Why do I have this if I'm not using that? That could totally go to someone that's in need. And I try to like re-inventory my life every once in a while and just go, this isn't necessities for me to live. Who could I bless with this kind of stuff? And, and you give away whatever it is and, and not try to, I don't try to sell everything. I try to give stuff. And my wife sometimes is like, well, just sell it so you can make some money off of it. You know, we got to pay the bills here. And I'm, I just want to give stuff away all the time. But I know that if I do, that God promises that I in return will be blessed. So maybe it's like given, you know, clothes, I've given boards, I've given cars, I've given, you know, whatever it, it takes, live a life where you're focusing on your material stuff to say, how can I bless others? But I think it's even more important than, Material stuff. I think it just is a lot of times it's it's just time, right? It's time to listen. Time to actually listen to people around you. Like Charlie said, he was going to that McDonald's for godly purposes, Bible study. And there's this woman over there that's looking at him, making eye contact. I think part of generosity is just sharing your life and going, oh, someone wants got my attention right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be there for them. Taking time to listen. You know one of the hardest things for me on a Sunday morning or on a Friday night or whenever I preach is that I stand by that back door and I just get to say bye to all you guys and, and you know, whatever and greet you and, and all of that. And it's pretty cool. But one of the hardest things for me is there's sometimes when some of you, my church family, make the eye contact, start to share something and want to share. And my problem is I got to like be nice and loving and, and say hi to all the rest of the family members. And I feel super bad a lot of times at the door because I get into like a two minute conversation with someone but it's such a rush. I'm trying to say hi to everybody. I feel like I'm cutting you guys off. And some of you guys are like, yeah, I've felt that every week, Carl. <laughs> Dirty guy. But the thing is, I want to take time to listen. I want to be someone, a generous spirit in me says, people need to talk sometimes. They need to download and they need to unload what's going on in their life or share a praise report or something. And I can see that in people. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I'm so torn. It's a good thing. I love being back there interacting. But at the same time, it's sometimes tough because I know that people need someone to listen to them. And part of being generous is us opening our eyes and just taking time. Ask our wife how, how the day was going. Ask our kids what's going on. Talk to your coworkers. You know, and when you walk by in the halls of somewhere, don't just give the little, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, the nod and like straight down again, stare at your toes, but actually try to make eye contact. And this is something I want to work on, but this is part of practicality of how to live a generous life. You know, here's a, here's a generous thing. How many of you guys um, like to do emails? I mean, like the fun ones, you know, the good ones. Not, come on, some of you guys, don't lie because I get all your forwarded stuff. Like, oh, check this. No, I don't want to read all the forward. You're going to send me a virus. But we like to use email, right? How many of you guys, Facebook? Come on, admit it. Twitter, anybody in there? Uh, what about the new one, Path? Scott, are you on that yet? Scott's not even on that one yet. Wow, that's, that's brand new. Google Plus, all of those, social networking. But did you know that you could show generosity through social networking? You ever think about that? Because we tend to think like, oh, the social media stuff, that's all bad. There's sin and there's all that. But you know how many tweets and Facebook messages I receive where it's my brothers and sisters feeding scripture out on the internet? And I'm like, oh, I needed to hear that one today. I'm blessed. Thanks for taking the time. Again, generosity to put something godly and good to feed my life on social networking. You know how many emails I've received of just encouragement and blessings and compliments? And I'm like, man, this edifies my life. Someone took the time, even if it was just to type in or whatever, someone took the time to say, I'm just going to be a blessing today. I'm going to take time out of my self-serving day and bless other people. There's encouragement that could come from that. There's compliments. We as a people, do you see how we need to change our culture a little bit? Because we think all of that stuff is bad. We need to start realizing you could go out right now even on your phone right now, and you could be shooting someone some encouragement and some blessing. Don't do it because I'm preaching. Pay attention. But you could if you wanted to, right? And so the whole point of this stuff is 
changing the mindset that is so focused on us and like, oh, but there's Christmas Day of generosity, there's Thanksgiving Day of generosity, and saying we need to develop a culture 365 days of the year that's based on generosity. How can we bless and how can we serve other people? It can be cheap and it can be simple. I've had some of the, the best things in my life that have encouraged me the most were simply little notes like this. Can I read you guys a couple notes? These are a couple notes. You don't have a choice. I'm asking you, but I'm going to read them anyway. Um, these are a couple of notes that I got from my kids. My son is 10 and my daughter is 13. And they don't often write me notes. You know, we're not like some of your families. It might be cool. You write notes all the time. But my family, we don't really write. My wife does, of course. She, she, she's good at notes. But my kids, I got a couple of notes from my kids. And this is from my son, Isaac, 10. This is like probably the first note he's ever written me. Um, I, I was looking for like headphones for my iPod for like weeks. And I couldn't find them. And I lost them around the house or something. And I get this little note one day. I come home from work, and there's this note, and there's a headphone sitting on the bed. And he says, Dear Dad, look what I found behind your bed. I heard you were looking for it, so I wrote this note. Love, Isaac Moore. And he has to write his last name in case it's some other Isaac in the house, right? I don't know. But he never writes me notes, and I was just blessed. I was just like, you know what? That's one silly little pencil and paper note. But he was thinking about me, and he helped me out, and he put those things there, and he took the time to write me the note. And I was like, oh, I was super blessed. Man, my kid. I mean, that's, to me, that means a lot. Then my daughter, I took her to back-to-school day a couple, I don't know, a month or so ago. Um, Kamehameha was having a back-to-school. The parents got to go back. My wife was busy. So for once now, the dad, I had to go to school. And uh, I sat through all of her classes with her and that whole deal. And um, I have a lot of sympathy because school is just as long and boring as it was when I was in school. <laughs> You're learning good stuff, but wow, you know, like, oh, I got to stay awake here. But I went with her to school and um, it was actually turned out to be a really good thing because I got to spend some quality time with my daughter. It was, it was just cool the whole day, um, even if it was school. But then she wrote me this little thank you note. And I don't know, probably the teacher told them all to write notes or whatever. But the teacher didn't tell them what to say in their notes, right? Could have been just a simple, thanks for coming with me. But she writes me this cool little note. And it says, Dear Dad, thank you for coming to my back-to-school day. You are the best dad ever. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking me to the beach and the skate park and jet skiing. I'm really thankful for a dad like you. I love you so much. Thanks for always being there for me. I'm sorry for beating up my brother and trying to make Sam, who's our three-year-old, and, and sorry for trying to make Sam talk to me in English. She really needs to stop watching Dora. <laughs> I love you, Dad. Love, Kylie. Um, <laughs> you know, Dora the Explorer, she teaches you Spanish and stuff. So my, my little three-year-old says, Dad, I speak Spanish. I'm like, no, you don't. And she just starts speaking Spanish. I'm like, what are you talking about? But... I want you guys to realize, here's a culture of generosity that I'm trying to encourage you. When's the last time you wrote a note to someone, a handwritten note, not an email or a text or a Facebook message or a tweet or whatever? When's the time you took the time to just be generous enough to give of your time to write someone a handwritten note? And all the women are going, just yesterday, right? Because women do it all the time. And guys are like, what? No, writing a note. But we need to be developing this culture of generosity. You guys see where I'm getting at with all this? I'm trying to give some practical examples of we need to get the focus of what we do and what we've always done. And James is reminding us, remember, you're Christians here. Live a life of generosity. Bless other people. Give towards other people. It's going to enlarge your world. What does that mean to enlarge my world? Well, I believe that God, number one, promises he'll enlarge us financially. As we give financially, there's that verse we read about in Malachi 3, right? But I think beyond that, he, he enlarges your world with your influence. When you become a generous person, God goes, I'm going to bless you and give you more influence and more connections and more network. But you know what he also does? He, through you choosing to be generous, he builds your reputation. And your reputation, as it says in a uh, verse in Proverbs 22.1, is your reputation is more valuable than silver and gold. I think you guys believe that? That you can have a lot of money and have a terrible reputation and no one wants to do business with you or be friends with you. But you could be someone that's poor, but you're just generous and you have a good reputation and people want to be near you. People want to be like you. People want to help enlarge your world because you're a generous person. And I believe that God is saying that is if you're generous, God will enlarge our world and he'll he'll do things for you that, that normal people aren't going to have access to because of this generous spirit. And it talks about an attitude. Look at the next point in your in your notes. There's got to be an attitude behind giving. 
Because life isn't just based on actions and what we do for other people. Because there's, there's a lot of people I know that want to be generous to me, but there's hidden motives. You guys know what I'm talking about? The kind of people that they go, hey, I'll do this for you, but you know that there's like a catch. You know that they're expecting, you better do this for me, right? You, anybody got friends like that? Like, I hate to say it, but you know that there's like, you're doing a good thing, but the heart and the attitude behind it is questionable, right? And God says for us to really be a generous people, you give because you want to give. You give because you're thankful and you worship a good God and you want to bless God's kids. There's a, there's a passage in Second Chronicles, Old Testament, Second Chronicles 31, verses 1 through 10, where Hezekiah became the king of Israel. And his people, the Israelites, had kind of forsaken worshiping God in the temple and taking care of his holy temple. In, in providing for the priests and the Levites, who are kind of like, you could say, the church staff, and they maintain the temple, and they organize all the religious services. And the people had kind of forgotten about all that. They kind of neglected it. So Hezekiah comes back, and he calls all the people of Israel. He goes, come together, guys. We need to focus. We are God's people. We need to focus on him and give him the worship and the thanks and the glory that he deserves. And, and there's a few guys that, nah, nah, we're not into it, but mostly everybody came, and they did days worth of festivities where they said, we're coming back to God, we're here, we're repenting, we're going to worship God. And they started getting everything all in line. Um, and then at the end of all this celebration, here's what happened. Look at these verses in Second Chronicles 31. It says, When the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh, and they smashed all the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and renew, removed the pagan shrines and altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own towns and homes. They said, we're going to worship God, and we're going to throw out anything that has to do with any other gods. We're serious about this. We're coming back to the heart of worship. And in verse 2, it says, Hezekiah, the king, then organized the priests and the Levites into divisions to offer the burnt offerings and peace offerings and to worship and to give thanks and praise to the Lord at the gates of the temple. Then, check this out. Here comes the attitude of the king, the attitude of his heart. The king also made a personal contribution of animals for the daily morning and evening burnt offerings, the weekly Sabbath festivals, the monthly new moon festivals, and the annual festivals as prescribed in the law of the Lord. In addition, he required the people of Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so that they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. In other words, he goes, guys, we're coming back to the Lord, and I want all of you guys to chip in a little bit to make sure the temple is maintained, to pay the priests and the church workers. We've got to take care of them. So everybody just kick in a little bit, a small portion, right? And then this is how the people of God responded. This is where the attitude comes in. The people of Israel responded two words, immediately and generously. This is the heart of a true worshiper is, God, you want me to do something? Okay, boom, I'm there immediately and abundantly and generously. It says the people responded immediately and generously by bringing the first of their crops and grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, in fact, a tithe, a tenth of all that they produced. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats, and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles. They thanked the Lord and his people, Israel. Where did all this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites. And Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zadok, replied, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed his people, and all this is left over. Here's what I want you to catch in that. King Hezekiah required the people to bring a small portion to help the temple. The people, he, didn't, he did not say, bring a tithe. He said, bring a small portion. The people went above and beyond, immediately reacted, and they said, you know what? We're just going to give a tenth of everything we got, and we're going to bring in so much, and we're going to do it immediately, that there's piles, there's piles of stuff in the temple. And it says that the Lord has blessed his people, that we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, and all of this is left over. And this is the amazing thing, is that God is a God of leftovers. Amen? God is a God of leftovers. He doesn't want to just bless you in what you gave back in return. He goes, I want to give you so much in return that there's more to spare, and all of these great piles and stuff is left over. See, the lesson that I learned from this thing about God's people responding to bless those Levites and to bless other people is this, is that 
Generosity to others equals worship to God. Write that down. Generosity to other people equals worship to God. You know how I know this to be true in my life? Now, I've got friends that I know and that I hang out with and that are nice to me and that's great and we got a good relationship. But there's the friends that I have that take the extra step of being nice to my kids. And when people are nice to my kids, they're automatically blessing me. Isn't that true for all of you guys that are parents in here? You know that when someone blesses your kids, they're blessing you. Because you're so blessed by your kids, they're yours, it's part of you. And here's the thing that God is saying. When you bless my other kids, you're blessing me. Thank you for doing that. Thank you because I love these people. I went, I went a couple weeks ago on a Friday night. I went prawning in Waiholi Stream with the three-pronged spears at night with the flashlights. And you walk up in the stream, for those of you guys who have never been prawning before, and you go after the little prawns, the little the shrimps. They get kind of like, like this big and you can eat them. Delicious. Garlic, butter, little lemon, winner. But anyways, we're going and we're walking up and I brought my son with me. And we were with some other people, some people from our church, their relatives. And so we were walking up the stream, and at night you shine the light, and you see the two little red eyes, and you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. Boom! And you tag them, right? And you get all these, these prawns in your bag, and you go eat them afterwards. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. I've, I've gone spearfishing before. I like, I can do this. How hard can it be? You see the eyes? You stab it, right? I mean, easy with the three-prong. And we're walking in for several hours, and I, I mean, I've had... All of these chances, I see all these little red eyes all, all around, and I go for it, and I miss every single time. I mean, these prawns are just laughing at me underwater. I swear I can see them, like, ha, 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 you know? And I'm just like, ugh! And my son's with me, and all the other guys are, like, catching full bag full of prawns, and I'm just like, oh, it can't be that hard, right? The eyes are there, just stab them! And I keep going around, going around, and some of the prawns are just playing with me. I promise, like, I would shoot it, and it just goes, like, six inches away, and he's like, ha, ha, miss, you know? I'm like, what? I get another shot, miss again. Like some of them, I had three chances of the same prawn. And they're just, I swear they're laughing at me. So I'm just bummed. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not catching anything. But my son, on the other hand, he caught two of them that night. He's 10 years old. I'm like, how is he doing that, you know? And he comes over, and I, and I start watching. How did you catch that? Oh, well, uncle kind of helped me. He kind of got, got it over here and showed me how to do it, and then I caught it. It's like, wow, and then how did you get that other one there? Oh, I went over here, and they kind of showed me where it was, and I went, and I, I got it. And... What I realized in my, whatever, selfish mindset, because I was mad because I didn't, you know, the great hunter comes home empty-handed. And I'm not getting anything. And at the end of the night, I would have had a tendency to just be mad, you know, like, you know, competitively challenged or whatever. But the thing that I appreciated, I was so blessed by, was that my son had the time of his life. And it was because these other people were blessing him and helping him and allowing him to be blessed that night. And I just, my respect that I had for those people in my eyes went up tenfold because they cared enough to bless my kid. They were blessing me. Does that make sense? That God says, when these, Levite, when these Levites and, and priests were provided for by the people of God abundantly, immediately, generously, then God just said, wow, you're worshiping me. Your act of generosity is actually an act of worship unto me. And the attitude that we need to have in our hearts is one that just is thankful to God and wants to bless God. And it doesn't matter about the requirement. Oh, well, the the king said to give this much. Well, we're giving more. To me, tithing, oh, that's great. Thanks, God, for giving me a starting point at 10%. But I'm going to give offerings. I'm going to bless other people with material stuff. I'm going to give people my time because it's all because of you, God. So the requirement doesn't really mean much. I'm going above and beyond that. And that's what these, these Israelites did. They had the right kind of a heart. And when we have this generous heart for other people, God will bless us. And how do we bless other people? Well, I look at all the volunteers that come up here and have been working on the church building. That You guys are going, I, I love God and I love his house and I love these people. So I'm going to take part. How many volunteers it takes to run everything that we do in the body of this church on the weekend services to all the events. I come to some of these events and I get paid to do it, right? I get paid to, to set up. And we had a men's barbecue night the other night. But all the men that came up early helped set up, stayed all through the night, helped me break down the whole night. All of them, none of them are getting paid for that. But that's the attitude in the heart of a generous person that says, when I bless others, I'm really blessing God. You know, God's going, you bless other people, you bless my kids, you bless me. I look at all the people. We just had a men's camp. And without even us asking, 
So many people were sponsored to that men's camp simply from other men and other families in the church just saying, I want to make sure this guy goes to camp because I know he's going to meet with God. So can I just bless him? Can I just give you some money? And the checks were rolling in. And sometimes we have to ask for it because we're like, we, we, we need some guys to go to camp. We don't have enough spots. Can some of you guys help? And we asked the body. We didn't ask this time. And the checks just came rolling in. And guys were there and their lives were changed forever because someone helped write a check. And I just think, that's a heart of giving. We're having a youth camp coming up in like a, a couple months. And I know it's expensive, These all these young kids. And I'm just thinking, how can I give, not just so my daughter goes, but I want to get some of these kids because when I was young, that's where I met God. So how can I bless God by blessing his kids? And there's an opportunity, if you're sitting here right now going, where's an opportunity to bless? Hey, we got some youth kids coming up to camp in a couple months here. It'll change their life. Maybe that's what God's calling on you. How can I sponsor some kids to camp? But what is it that we can do to have this generous heart? Because it starts in the attitude of the heart. Um, Malachi 3.10 says, I will open the windows of heaven for you, pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it all in. And that's what happened here in Hezekiah's day, is that people gave so much they had leftovers. Um, I believe that if you live a life of thanksgiving, God will always provide leftovers. Just like normal thanksgiving. You know, you guys all had a good thanksgiving this year? What you, would you prepare? What was your specialty dish? Anybody? What would you bring? Come on, let's hear it. What was your deal? Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. All right, it's like crickets in the room. Like, brr, brr, brr. <laughs> Sweet potato. What else? Anybody? What would you bring to Thanksgiving? Green bean, green bean. Oh, two green bean casseroles. That's a favorite. Not in my house, but in your house. Wait a minute. What is that? Bacon wrapped. Goat cheese stuffed pears. Oh, where do you live? <laughs> I'm coming over. But think about Thanksgiving. Everybody prepares something, right? You get something, and if you're cheap, you go to Safeway, get the pies or whatever. But you all bring something, right? Everybody brings something to Thanksgiving dinner. But here's here's a point I want you to. Uh, yeah, you guys are feeling you're laughing, yeah, because that was you. That was you this past week. But we but we go to Thanksgiving. We prepare something. We bring it. But we prepare something cool and we give it. We offer it. Thank you, God. This is for Thanksgiving. This is for families, for other people. But what happens in return? You get blessed with everything everybody else brought. Right? So you're like, whoa. And not only that, but at the end of the night, what do you go home with? Leftovers, right? And we all get to snack on Thanksgiving for the next few days or whatever because you get leftovers. And I believe that that's a biblical concept. That God is saying you live a life, not a day of thanksgiving you live a life of thanksgiving where you're giving out to other people god is going to bless you in return not just with oh i'll give back what you brought but you're going to have leftovers in your life the world of the generous gets larger and larger and let me take you to this last verse and we'll end with this second corinthians 9 verses 6 through 11 it says it talks about the cycle of generosity because i believe if you develop the culture it's not just a one-time thing, but it becomes an ongoing cycle in our lives. At least that's the goal. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, Paul is speaking and he says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. He's talking about the attitude, right? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God says... Don't, never mind even giving if you're going you're gonna to give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Because people can tell. Because God can tell. Because again, it's that attitude of thanks that we want to give. He says, you must um, each decide how much you want to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know the word for cheerfully? It actually means with hilarity. With hilarious joy. That you're just giving and you're so stoked in yourself. God, I just can't wait to bless this person. I, can't wait. I don't need this thing. I just want to give it away. I just want to bless someone. Lord, I'm doing this in thanks and praise to you. Take it. And it's just like, yeah, it's just such a good, joyful feeling. It says, God loves that. God will generously provide all you need. Here comes a promise. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. There's that word again, leftovers. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Do you want your good deeds to be remembered forever? Don't you? Don't you want to leave a legacy? Don't you want to have known that you made a difference in people's lives on this earth? That you made a mark? He says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. 
Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. What God is after is a culture of generosity that says you will always be generous. As you learn to give, I will give back so much in your life that you have leftovers, so then you're what? Forced to give even more, right? And then what happens when you give even more? God gives back to you again, overflowing, so you have to keep on giving. See, this is the cycle of generosity that God is after. He wants us to always be generous. Our good deeds will be remembered forever. Again, your value is not based on what you acquire in life. Your value is going to be based on what you gave away. As I think back to all the people that have influenced my life, all I can remember about them that made an impact was all the things that they gave, right? The person that gave me my first surfboard or my dad when he gave me my first car. And you know what I remember about my dad giving me my first car? He didn't actually give it to me. He sold it to me. Can you imagine that? (laughs) First car. How many of you guys got a free first car from your parents or from someone, right? You usually get a free one, right? Well, my dad, we were were looking around and I was thinking, I want to go buy a car. I want to do this. And my dad was a bodywork guy. So he fixed up old cars and he'd make them nice and new and get them repainted and sell them and make money. And I was looking to buy a car. My dad goes, Oh, well, what about the car I just fixed up? You know, this, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a nice one. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you for a good deal. What? Wait, Dad, free. Come on, I'm your kid. But you know what I, I learned from that? As he did, he gave it to me for a really, really cheap price. But he said, I want you to pay for this first car. I'm like, why? He goes, just the same way that I've taught you to save your money and to, and to step, shepherd your money, steward your money, manage your money. I want you to know what it feels like to have to pay for something so that you're going to take care of this car. And you know what? Sure enough, that's what my dad built into me is this value. I take care of things for a long time. I keep clothes around until they're like out of style, like two decades and stuff. My wife's like, uh, you still have that? I'm like, no, but it's in good shape. She's like, get rid of that. You know, that's not, that's not in anymore. I don't want you to be seen in church with that on. Like get rid of stuff. Right. But I keep stuff around forever and all my cars, I try to take care of my cars and make them last. And I think back to that and I go, Thank you, Dad. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I'm teaching my kids the same lesson. That what you did for me, that good deed to teach me the value of money, will be remembered forever in my life. And I'm going to pass that legacy on to my kids. But all the different things, the the people that modeled to me what it is to be a real Christian, the person, one of the people that modeled that to me, most of all, was my junior high youth pastor, Clinton Landeza. And he's still in this church today. And it's weird because now I'm his pastor but he was the guy that helped make me into who I am today. Because when I was at a young, impressionable age and I thought, I'm going to church because I have to, he was the one that showed me, wait, I can go to church because I want to, because God is good. I can still live a cool life and do everything that I do, but I can do it for the glory of God. And I want to be like this person. And so what I'm going to remember forever about Clinton Landeza is the fact that he gave me a love for God in a real way. But do you see the only mark you're going to leave on people around you is based on what you gave away, not on what you acquired? And this is the culture of generosity. God wants us to always be generous, not just on the holidays, but every day of the year. Is this a good word for you today? Let's pray. Lord, we um, love you and we thank you. And we, we do, Lord, everything that we do, we do in thanks and worship and generosity to you. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to do a better job at being generous to your kids, to one another, to this world, to show them the love and the the light that we have in you. Lord, I pray that some of us desperately needed this reminder today. And I pray, Father God, that we would apply it to our lives when we put it into action, that none of us would walk away and kind of go, oh, well, there I did my, my good deed, my Christian thing. I went to church. But Lord, I pray that we'd be here today and that you'd be speaking to us how to improve our lives, how to get closer to you, how to how to bless you so that you will in turn bless us and, and use us to bless the world around us. Lord, teach us to be generous. Teach us to have eye, the eyes like Charlie Mixon talked about when someone's trying to make eye contact with you, Lord, that we would give it back, that we'd be, be ready to serve and ready to bless and, and ready to give whatever it takes, whatever you call of us to do, Father God. Give us new eyes. Give us eyes that focus in on all the unmet needs around us. Lord, we can't do everything. There's so many charities and causes and people in need. But Lord, we can do something. We can do what the things that you've called us to do. And I pray that we'd be faithful to that, Father God, that we would, we would look for what you call us to do, Lord, and we would respond immediately and generously, just like those people in 
Chronicles we read about today. And if there's anybody in the room today right now, as we're praying, that you're sitting here today and you're going, wow, you know, I, I need to step it up. I need to give my life to God. This stuff sounds good. It sounds like there's a God in heaven that loves me and wants to do good things in my life and, and help me to become more generous. A God that wants to be generous to me if I would just say yes to him. Maybe you came today looking for God. Well, let me tell you right now, you found him. He's here. He's been waiting for you. And he wants you to have relationship with him, not religion. He wants to know you and be real and alive at work in your life every single day. If that's what you want, then I'm going to say a prayer here in a minute that just brings you into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And how we're going to do it is I'm going to say the words out loud to this prayer as I pray with you. I'm going to ask that you would pray in your heart to God because God judges on the heart and he wants to know that he's got your heart. I'm just going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask that you would agree with me in your heart and be praying the words to God silently that I'm going to say out loud. And, you know, after we pray and after service, you can go and profess with your mouth and and claim your faith and let people know that you're a Christian. But right now, it's just it's a sincere, serious matter of the heart. And if you would like to say that prayer with me, just to say yes to God and become a Christian and really begin to follow him in a real way, not a religious way in a real way from this day forward to know that he's forgiven you and that he loves you and he's got a plan for your life if that's what you want. I'm going to ask that you do one thing in a minute here. I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask that on three that you would raise your hand and let me know if you want to say that prayer with me. Okay, if that's something you want to do, just raise your hand and let me know. We're going to pray together in a minute here. Ready? One, two, three. Anybody here? Go ahead and raise those hands. Anybody in the house just wants to say yes to God right now? Anybody at all, don't be shy, don't be shamed. This is the best decision you will ever make. I promise you that. Anybody at all in the house? Okay, God is still working. And if everybody's here is is a Christian already, then Lord, we got our our work cut out for us. That's, That's not what we're all about, Lord. We're about bringing in the people that need to know you. And I pray that that would encourage those of us that are seated here today to want to fill the seats next to us with people that need to know you. Lord, if there's people that are sitting here today still thinking about it and waiting to see whether they want to take that step, Lord, reveal yourself to them in power and in might and in the miraculous, Lord. Prove to them that you are real and living God. Lord, for the rest of us, we love you. We thank you for the word spoken to us today, Father. Help us to apply it to our lives starting right now, right here. We want to be a generous people. Thank you, Father, for loving us. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen. Amen.